Seven Minds Podcast. This is Franz Bowen. This is Trav Weeks. Yeah, uh, we're here with another installment of the Driven Minds Podcast with another ill special guest. <clears throat> Trav got, uh, you know what I'm saying, he devil should. in his throat paws. You know what I'm saying? You good? Yeah, I'm Gucci. I'm Gucci. Yeah. Um, but yeah, special guest. Uh, good music. Um, worked for Good Music. Worked for Translator. Translation. Tran- translations. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, all around connector, cultural strategist. Um, founder. I've heard about her through the through the socials. Go ahead, bro. You, you finished the yeah, hey. <laughs> founder and cultural engagement strategist of the Guild Creative Group. Did I say that right? Yeah. There okay. you go. Fire. We have Miss <laughs> Tiffany Hardy in the building. Let's get some claps going. Hey. Go ahead, you too cool to clap. That's what I'm talking about. We have a studio audience of two today. Fact though, and we got uh, a lovely um, Chipotle spread before us. This bounty, shout out to Nat. Shout this is, out to um, Nat. This is part of my tech writer. That's for drinks and snacks. I was like, y'all got drinks and snacks. Yeah, right. All right, cool. I'm good. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Tiffany, we want to thank you for being a part of the Driven Moms podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I have been watching y'all's movement for quite some time now, and I'm really grateful that I'm sitting here with y'all drinking my little rosé, trying to soak up the last of summer Mm. with you guys. Toast (laughs) it. Toast. (laughs) Clink, clink, clink. Clink. (laughs) Yeah, you're crazy. I actually, um, tell you the truth, how I, I, I first heard of Tiffany through the socials. We didn't get a chance to meet then, but last year um, we did an event called Impact Culture, and Tiffany was gracious enough to be a panelist at the event. That was actually my so first panel event plus music. It was actually my first like mini festival we produced, and um, thank you for that. We we oh, yeah. you know that was actually I was under a lot of stress at that time. It was and, lit. You know we appreciate you for being a panelist, offering so much valuable information. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, honestly, that's one of the things that I, I love doing, and you're being really modest. I showed up to uh, who knows where I was in Brooklyn. Um, thank you for the ride, because <laughs> Lord knows I, I would have gotten so lost. Gotcha. But, um, you know, it was like this garage full of people. It was real colorful. There was, like, great food. There was, you know, the panelists were fire, friends of mine. Um, and it was a really good, just good energy in the room, good music, good performers, like, you should be very proud of yourselves. Like it was, it was really dope. And Thank you. I mean, gen- generally speaking, like I love doing things like this because um, one, I like sharing energy, and I like sharing what I've learned. And mm-hmm. it's it's one way, it's one path. But <clears throat> I think everybody should be interested in in other folks' stories. I think it's something that uh, helps. I'm at I'm at an age right now where I'm in a, I'm empowered to help a another generation um, of young executives and, and young people. And I do that in my, my work life and in my personal life. So anything that I can do to, um, to help, you know, just help others even ideate or think or reflect on, on what their moves are and what they want out of themselves and out of their lives is something that I'm always going to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. We, don't, we did kind of a sh- shitty job mentioning your whole resume because you have a Whew, a crazy resume. Absolutely. Uh, if you can, just tell the people out there what is it that you do. Sure. Um, so I'm an entrepreneur and consultant, and I actually uh, recently just took a I took a gig actually at WeWork. Um, 
But <clears throat> the pre-WeWork version of this would be, hmm. <laughs> um, I work with brands and advertisers on their influencer and talent strategy. Um, so whether it's programming, influencer management, influencer procurement, um, sort of all the cultural engagement strategy that, that there is to be had um, mm. for, for brands and for advertisers, that's what I do. Um, I have a strong opinion about what it is to sit at some of these tables with execs mm. and sort of raise my hand when something feels right, when it doesn't feel right. Um, and mm. I think that every agency, every company, every organization needs uh, a culture agent at the table to say, hey, I understand what your motivation and intentions are, and I can also understand, um, I understand talent, and I understand what a community's uh, motivation and intentions are, so how can we marry these things? So, at, I mean, no matter who, who I'm doing it for, um, or who I'm doing it with, my, what I do and what my intention uh, and purpose in my work life is to operate with the culture at the forefront and, and being an advocate for um, how we can sort of um, marry, um, marry intention, marry commerce together. That's what mm. I like to do. So you said something really interesting. Culture so agent. A few yeah. interesting things, isn't it? <laughs> Culture agent. I like yeah. that. Because um, I feel like uh, times have progressed wherein companies, um, especially these, uh, these major brands with these, you know, with these really large budgets, they're have their eyes open and on the connection they need to make with culture, mm -hmm. with our culture, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's changed throughout the years. Have you seen that now when, you, when you're in these meetings with executives? Have you seen that, you know, they understand the value of um, what you represent, the culture you represent, and how you can bring that to that brand? And you feel like you're um, being a cultural agent that they finally have that respect and the value for what we offer? Well, I think me personally, I have the... This sounds this sounds kind of weird coming in my mouth, but like I have the pedigree, um, mm. so I know they respect me. But I I also know like the the data is behind the value of mm. what culture. When we say culture, um, I I mean it in a vast way. But I know we're talking about uh, in particular people of color culture, um, from music to ideas to words to language to whatever. There's there's money in that. There's value in that. You know, a good friend of mine, Jason, I think he's a friend of yours too, you know, he founded something called Trap Karaoke. Now, where does that come from? I mean, karaoke has been around for a minute, but the trap version of that, well, okay, cool. And now, you know, he recently went to uh, Japan with LeBron James and Beats to, to do some interesting activation around that. Like, that's not, that's not not, that's not coincidence. That's that's value. That's cultural value. That's um, credence. And I think that there's most certainly. I think brands most certainly um, have been educated in what that means for their own brands, and um, they do put value on that. Now, I think there's a few ways to to go about that. I, I don't think ever. I don't think brands uh, do it right all the time. Um, because it sort of depends on what you're what you're looking for, right? So like if if you're only out for impressions or you know attendance to some event or whatever the case may be, if that's what your goal is, then like you know you can get some hired guns to to pull that off for you. Um, but if your goal is to connect with uh, a community because you have a deeper strategy on what that means to get closer to that, then you are going to employ. Um, different types of strategies, different types of programming so that 
people, when they see that, they say, oh man, wow, they did it smart. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather be, I'd rather do it smart than do it fast. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's just, that's just something that you have to do. And, um, you know, there are trends that are going to come along in our culture every day, you know, um, whether it's music trends or, you know, when's the last time you heard somebody say fleek recently? I mean, I don't know, like, every, like th- th- this stuff comes and goes all mm. the time, you know? And so I don't get mad at anybody when they, when they make a dollar out of 15 cents, it's like, get yours. Mm. Um, but at the same time as a strategist, you know, we have to be smart about the partnerships that we create. So as we're when we're in these situations with brands or anybody else, we're setting ourselves up for sustainable success, not just of the moment success. Um, Because if you're in a position where you're representing also a company, um, you don't want them to look like a fool. You know, like, why'd you sign us up with Boo Boo the Fool? And you know that's going to go away in like a minute. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to sort of like, you have to place your bets wisely and, and do so with... Uh, integrity and and sometimes you don't you don't always see that um, you don't always see that with with folks that are in positions to work with brands and and marry that with culture. That's dope. Um, I want to backtrack to something you just said. So, how do you marry sustainability mm-hmm. and trends? Like one is mm-hmm. forever, mm-hmm. and one is fly by night. Like mm-hmm. where where's the uh, the synthesis between the two? Um, I think if you're if you're uh, if you're a good strategist, then you did a little research and, and you sort of recognize um, what's important. So, like, if if you know that um, if you know that music is important to a brand, and you know being on trend is important to a brand, and and you know that there's some sort of nuance around that that sort of correlates to what you're doing, then you can make a long term plan out of how to work with music mm-hmm. and how to work with hip hop. Um, with talent that, you know, you can sort of foresee having um, a longer play in in the industry or, or in society. So it's the difference between, like a great example of this is Sprite. Sprite getting in bed with Drake early, mm-hmm. it could have been a, a big risk. He could have flopped. It could have been a thing, mm-hmm. but he didn't. So now Sprite will always be able to say, we gave Drake his first deal. Mm. That's interesting because Sprite also got into bed with, to use your term, Criss Cross. Yeah, Criss Cross. Um, I want to say Nas early. I want to say like uh, Wu-Tang early. Like, or maybe Mountain Dew is Wu-Tang. I, I, they got in bed early with hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even just artists, but like with hip-hop. Yeah, Obey early. Thirst and all that. The yeah, whole yeah, thing. Yeah. But, but check this out. So that was in the 90s, right? But maybe like five years ago, maybe, they started doing these like... Um, these cans with lyrics on them. Mm. So you know, with J. Cole. You, you know, with all these guys. And it was just because they got in bed with these guys early. And so they were able to finesse that relationship and say, hey, we have this really cool idea for this thing. Can We're going to revamp this and we're going to do another photo shoot and we're going to do another this and da 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 da. You know, but they had the credence in, in hip hop to, to be able to do that because they did it early. Mm. You know, and you have to have someone who's in the space, a culture agent, if I may that is able to say, if we do this and we do this right, it, it will never be fly-by-night. Mm. We will always have a, a voice in this or a, some share of voice in this. And you can pick and choose the moments in time that it matters the most for the brand and also for culture. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That's what I mean by sustainability. And 
Okay. And culture. And, and as an individual who is, I, I imagine like you're a gatekeeper between the, the two worlds, how do you, um, how do you vet for, uh, you know, organizations or what have you that might not have the, the most, uh, the purest of intention, mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better phrase, like how do you vet between like a Sprite, which is kind of married to the culture early versus mm-hmm. like, say, let me just pull out a brand like a Target or like a Walmart. Like that, that's a <laughs> any other brand. Ha- yeah, like um, yes, any other brand. So, My bad, Target and Walmart. I love, you know what I'm saying? Y'all toilet paper be uh, y'all great on sale. <laughs> you know what I'm I love those red deals and the rollback deals. <laughs> Come to Driven Minds podcast. <laughs> in front of me. That is hilarious. Oh my God. Crack me. How do I vet? So, I think it's really, it's those, it's those conversations of like, what do you want to accomplish? Mm. You know, like if you want to accomplish something that is truly like, yo, I just need to get people, I need to get some RSVPs for this event, or I just really need somebody to tweet some shit for me. Like, I mean, you just gotta, that's the vetting process. Like what, what are we, what are we doing here? Like, what are we trying to accomplish here? You know, because you're not going to get great talent on board. You're not going to get the culture on board if you're just like, oh, I want to throw this up real quick. You know, it's a, to do it right is most likely to do it slow. <laughs> and, mm. and doing it slow means contracts, conversations, you know, finesse, lots of finesse, hang out with me in the, in the thing or go to the thing with me or whatever. Like, people want to do business with at a certain level with people that they are genuinely like, I have to trust you. And I have to trust that you have my my brand in mind and my intention in mind. So part of this and why I think I'm particularly decent at this, to say to say that, is um, right, um, <laughs> is I've been on both sides of this fence, mm-hmm. you know? So I know the right questions to ask when I'm representing my talent. You know, like I know like when I see even dumb shit, like even dumb things like, you know, 120 days net for payment. Nah, like that's not what's what? happening. Three months? Get the fuck like, out of here. Okay. Right. That's, that's four months actually. That's bugging. I, I know a quarter too, and a half. Too, too much. That's what <laughs> <laughs> it was too much. And I was like, that's what's not happening. We're not going to do it if it's that. Yeah. You know, like some, there's so many times where so many people skip the fine print and and that's fine if you want to do that. That's not fine for me. Um, there, there are scenarios where, you know, it's right on the borderline of, like, we could live without this, but the money's really good. Mm. The money's really good. Hmm. It's only going to last till the end of the year. We yeah, right, let's do it. Mm. And that's, you know, five, six figures, whatever. Mm. And, and, and it's not, like, a lot of work, you know? Like, so you, you can sit on both sides of this the fence and be objective and be like, okay, well, here's, here's what the, here's what the, what do, what do they say in the, in the work world, the cost benefit mm. to this, mm. you know? Um, so, you know, cause what you're really leveraging is your, it, it, for, if I'm with my manager hat on, I'm really leveraging the, the social currency of my talent. I'm really leveraging the sort of assets of my talent and taking that into consideration in terms of what the value of that is and putting a dollar sign on that of, of their time and of their effort and of their, 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 their name on something. Um, and that's something I don't do uh, in a vacuum. You know, that's something that I do um, with my talent and it's also something that I do just because I have knowledge of it, 
of the business in that in that way. Um, on the flip side of that, though, on the brand side of things, I think that there's a lot of effort into um, does this fit? You know, every brand has a quote unquote personality that they like to mm. put out into the world. Um, you know, what? Let's use Target again. Target is different from Walmart and how they present themselves. You know, um, most people are be like, "Oh, girl, I got this at Target." Yeah. Oh, you got this at Walmart. You don't say nothing. You know, <laughs> you know, like there's there's a difference there, and so being able to sort of recognize what the personality of that brand is and if it's a fit with the talent or the fit with the, the movement. Like, I wouldn't say, yo, Target and Trap Karaoke, let's go. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, beats? Absolutely. You know, like, or, you know, even if it was like, uh, you know, a Master and Dynamic and Trap Karaoke? Nah, that doesn't seem right. You know, but Beats, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it just, it just feels accurate because the beats has a certain personality when it comes to uh how music should be heard for the fun beats are for everybody it's not just for the audiophile you know like it's it's one of those things so um that's how i sort of vet and think about talent and brands on both sides of the fence nice. um, i want to i just want to uh kind of switch gears a little bit and, and, and get back to your beginning so mm -hmm. you cut your teeth in business under mona scott young Mm -hmm. and, and um, Steve Stout. Mm -hmm. And those are two tremendously you know, um, dynamic individuals in the sphere of business, Absolutely. especially coming from where they came from to literally carve out this whole Yeah, niche. the pioneers. Absolutely. What, what were your takeaways um, you know, from, from those experiences? And um, to piggyback that question, actually, I won't ask the piggyback question immediately, but mm -hmm. what were your, your, your takeaways from, you know, those experiences learning mm -hmm. under these dynamic in individuals? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll also say, like, right before I worked for Mona, um, I worked for a guy named John Monopoly. And John John... Big up John. Yes. Big up John. Uh, John John, I met him in, when I was in Chicago, and he introduced me to Mona Scott. And he introduced me because I was working for him and uh, interning slash doing more than an intern ever should or could do uh, for him <laughs> while in Chicago. And um, I'd opened up a club with him, his club with him. I like did a whole bunch of things. And he, he introduced me to Mona because I was finishing college and I wanted, I needed to, uh, I wanted to graduate with a job. And I had invited Mona to work with, or to come to my school. And he introduced us and it was sort of a wrap. Uh, from there and he she came to my school because John asked her to come for me um, so if I will always and he knows this uh, always forever hold my Chicago like I have a sweet spot in Chicago in my heart for hustle period for good music and for John John because um, he did that for me and that got me to New York City uh, where I worked for violator management and working for Mona in particular um, it wasn't necessarily a work takeaway, but like the takeaway that I got as a young woman, a woman of color in New York City, um, living by herself, didn't have family in New York City. Um, it's very tough. And uh, when I, my first three months in New York City, I was living in Astoria and, um, and uh, I, my roommate at the time, it, I didn't know this was a thing, by the way, like she like lived in the living room and I lived in the bedroom and like she made the living room a bedroom slash like it could be a living room too. Yeah. I didn't know, like, 
look, we didn't do that. That's some New York shit. Like, yeah, yeah but I, I was living all right in the South. Like, I wasn't like on some live in the living room shit. But um, so I remember I went to this. Uh, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that is hilarious. I can't wait for that next story. Yeah, that's hilarious. We bring it back a little bit. You feel me? That is so funny. So basically, um. Uh, when I moved to Harlem, I was 21. I moved to New York when I was 21, but I moved to Harlem when I was 21. And um, I basically had, like, my roommate in Astoria wanted to move to L.A. and go live her dreams as an actress or whatever. How that worked out is a different story for her. Um, and I um, I ended up moving to Astoria, and, like, that, getting that apartment was, like, a dream because I was living on like $25,000 a year. I don't know how <laughs> in New York City. The grace of God. The grace of God. Um, and, won't he do it? And won't he? Look, let me tell you something. He I, did it. And I found a one-bedroom apartment, and my whole goal was like, I need to, I need to get it for under 1000 mm. And I got it for under 1000 and, and I was by myself. And um, I say this because I had nothing else <laughs> i had keys um and like the bed wasn't mine so like there was just like i had keys and maybe like a, a tupperware like bin in like that was my life um so mona actually uh took me uh and she i have bowls in my apartment today because of her like wow. because she was like let me let me help this child yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those moments but i also learned from mona like um you can you can do whatever you want to do, but mm. I was really grateful uh, to spend time with her first before I worked for Steve because I was able to see a successful woman um, and a successful family. She has an amazing, strong, fun, cool husband. Um, she has a very strong tribe. Her kids are great. Like I was able to be in her home and be like, oh, so you don't have to choose. Wow. Like you can have all of this, you know, and, and want to come home and how like you in loving love, you can have love and cool things around you, um, and still be successful at business. And, and I thought that was something that, um, and not, and it's not fake, you know what I mean? It's really real, like really, really real. And, um, that was something that was really important to me because I came up in a family that was really real. <laughs> so I didn't, I never wanted to turn into something just for the sake of like, achieving a certain level in business. I didn't want to turn into like, mm -hmm. a, you know, the Devil Wears Prada, like someone cold or whatever. Yeah. That doesn't mean that like, you aren't on your shit and there aren't those days. But like, that was something that stuck with me. Um, and then working with Steve, um, I mean, the, there's lessons on lessons on lessons on lessons for both of them, but especially him. And um, I, think, I think mainly the biggest thing from Steve was uh, in his words, you know, this is a motherfucking marathon, Tiffany. You know, like, mm. the idea behind that was he telling me it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter, like, where you are as long as you're moving and as long as you are still running this race. Like, everything else is everything else. And, um, mm. you know, in that, and that's the short version, but there were so many lessons. I can imagine. So many lessons. So many like little things that were like soft skills that you yeah. just, you can't really teach someone, but you just, yeah, just intangibles. Um, you know, like even little things where like, there was a, you know, there was a 
really random situation with the travel agent that we had. So when I was working for Steve, uh, I was his assistant for the first half. And then like the second half, I was working in uh, the agency doing like um, influencer marketing and new business and stuff. And like, I remember when I was his assistant, I mean, those were, those were when all the lessons happened. But when I was his assistant, there was something that happened with his travel agent. His travel agent was just like talking to me crazy. It was like maybe my like first month or something there. American Express? No, it was some some other fancy Hollywood travel agency yeah. that's been there since the dawn of time. <laughs> and uh, I remember he called me into his office, and it, whatever the drama was, he didn't care. But I remember he said he what he said to me. He goes, "Yo, don't let these people punk you." Like so, it wasn't a matter of who's right, who's wrong. What's this? What's that? Mm. Steve never really in my I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a second, but like. He is not someone who gives a, a shit really about, like, like you can put all the liars in the room. That's fine. It's not to get out the truth. It's to figure out how you move in the situation. Mm. So, like, for me, it was a scenario where he was like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. I don't care who did what to who. Like, it's more like, don't let anybody punk you. Don't mm. let anybody, like, make you feel or make you think that you have to talk to me about something like, something like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, to me, was his version. Like, even in something as stupid, as simple as that was like, this is me empowering you to get your shit done uh, and, and call it a day. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. so, and I was so worried about the, a, a relationship. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to upset whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, don't be cute. <laughs> like, get it done. Yeah. I mean, there are times where he was literally like, yo, I'm going to need you to be a bitch get this and it didn't matter it could be like getting money back on the amex it could be anything right. but it was just like these these moments where you know what did he say to me one time he said oh to me you know people don't understand people don't understand when you talk like this you know people people understand when you talk like this Fair. like i was like oh huh. you know like yeah, and that that's just sometimes you gotta get in that ass and right. like that's just not my go-to it's just not my go-to. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's just not my go-to. Right, so, right. like, having to having to practice that um, was was interesting for me. Was a was an interesting le lesson. But being able to like reel that back in, but like knowing that it's there when it needs to come out. At this point, did you know like what you um, wanted to be, or was it more like you you've had these relationships, you were in the industry that you love, but did you have a clear, concise like I want this position or you figured you were gonna make a new position for yourself. Um, so when I was, when I was in school, like when I was in high school, like my senior year, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be in music. Um, I knew uh, later that, and by later I mean like my senior year of high school, I knew that I wanted to be in talent management. So the goal was finding what where I could go to do that. Okay. Um, so after reading all the Donald Passman books and everything else. Uh, because I was living in Wisconsin at the time for high school, um, there's a school nearby in Chicago called Columbia College Chicago, and they taught music business. That was a major. Um, arts, entertainment, media management, focus in talent management. That's what I did. And um, I did that because I realized, oh, that's, that's like a thing. That's, like things, that's a thing people do. Um, when you live in suburbia, sometimes you're not always privy to, like, what people do. You know, if it's not like you're a nurse or you're a something reg not regular, but still regularly known, <laughs> I guess. Like, it's different. Um, 
No one ever says, oh, you know, you can grow up to be the, the global head of communications for this brand. Like, no right. one knows what the hell that is. Like, right. what does that even mean? Right. So, um, but that's a job that people have. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's, and there's a way to get there. There's a pathway to get there. So, um, yes, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, di I did always know that I wanted to be in talent management. What I didn't know, and I didn't learn until I worked for um, translation, was that there was... Um, many paths to the courthouse and there was another skill set that I had to have which was in this marketing space mm. so when I was working for Mona it was just straight talent management and and that was great um very intense but great mm -hmm. and when I started working for Steve I was like oh so there are these brands that pay people to think about ideas that they can accomplish with certain people that are interesting and cool mm. based on a strategy about culture oh psh, I'm in <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where'd y'all come from? Like, I'm totally in. Mm -hmm. um, and and at the time, you know, it was a matter of, of like the culture of music. The music industry relied on the advertising business. So just from a logistical perspective, that's just a smart move. Like, why do I want to be in a space where I'm begging brands to give me money when mm -hmm. I can be in a space where, you know, you can potentially be holding the bag and deciding where you want to give that money to. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a very interesting space to, to be in. Um, so what I, what I did was um, maybe midway through working for Steve, I mean, I always also knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't know what the, like, how I was going to move and shake in it. So mm -hmm. um, when I was working for Steve, there's this guy um, who now works at Translation. His name's Stan Lumax. And I don't know if I told him this before or whatever, but like he, at the time he was working for his company called Anomaly and he had this amazing um, bio. And I was like, well, that's my bio. Hmm. That's what I'm gonna do, you know? Mm -hmm. So there was a point in time where um, someone asked me at Translation, well, like, what do, you, what do you want for yourself? I was like, this, mm. you know? And I, I wanna say it did say cultural engagement strategist. And, um, and it was like Stan's bio. And I was like, I wanna do everything that this man says he does. <laughs> that's my goal, <laughs> and um, and that's what and that's what I do, you know. And just trying to find, you know, the Virgo in me wants to find efficiencies yeah, everywhere. Yeah. I know, right? Virgo season forever. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I I've been doing that also in in the influencer marketing space and wanting to make sure that the the people that are driving, um, not only on the the talent side but also the marketing side of things have an easier way of, of connecting and learning more about talent um, in, a, in a more efficient space. Um, I, that, that's a part of what I, you know, what I like to do and what, I, what I've been doing um, essentially for my whole career without even knowing it. <laughs> wow. in, in, in terms of um, you know, finding one's way, so you, you, you had all of these wonderful experiences with these dynamic individuals and but you did say at the same time that you recognized early that you will be an entrepreneur in the future. Can you tell us a little bit about those transitional periods where you you had your aha moment and you you knew when it was time to move on? What were those like? What were yeah. what were some of the telltale signs of? Well, I was all. I mean, you know, I was surrounded by entrepreneurs. My mom was an entrepreneur. I mean, she still is. Uh, you know, Mona's an entrepreneur. Steve's an entrepreneur. Like. I'm an entrepreneur. So, you know, it was before I, I took this recent gig. I mean, I, I was working for myself for five years. Um, so for me, when it came time to leave translation, which which at the time was the last sort of full time job I had, um, it, I was too comfortable, to, to be honest. Like I had worked there for five years and 
um, I was in a place in my life where um, I needed growth and I knew I needed growth, but where I was growing wasn't necessarily there. Not because, not because I couldn't grow there, but because the, the structure didn't fit me at the time. And um, so, I mean, I always knew that, but um, the, the sort of like impetus, the sort of tipping point was um, when I realized I was, I was comfortable and, and I was like, yay or nay, I guess, you know? And um, I told, um, I think, you know, earlier in the conversation or a second ago, I told you how I wanted this particular job title and this particular job description that didn't exist at the business at the time. And, you know, it does now, but like, it didn't at the time. And, um, you know, that was, that's like, hey, you should, you should have somebody that wants the job that I'm doing and I should have, I should do the work that I need to do. Mm. Um, I had a really great conversation. Um, it was a review actually with my boss, who's also still my mentor at the time. His name's Marcus Collins. He's phenomenal. If you don't, if you are in, in social, in influencer, or networks, or whatever, you don't know who Marcus Collins is, please look him up. I think- You got, you got the plug, my sister? Like, that's my favorite. It's marcuscollins.com, <laughs> or, or marktothec.com, hmm. M-A-R-C, to the C.com. Um, but he's an intelligent, brilliant man. And um, so he and I are sitting uh, in an office, and we're going through my review, whatever, and he like puts the papers to the side, and he just looked me down my eye, and he said, "Yo, why aren't you doing what you want to do?" Mm. And I was like, Arr! "It was like the the record stopped. It was like," <laughs> <laughs> and and that was such a brilliant question um, because I didn't know that it was obvious, and and that was really it for me. When somebody else sort of looks at you and it's just like, "Why aren't you doing what you want to do?" It's like. I don't know. Is that an appropriate answer? Is that the right? If you, if someone asks you that and you're like, oh, I don't know. I just thought I would have. It's dumb. I just want to pay bills, player. Yeah. But you know, it's all yeah, good. Yeah, it's all good, right? And and if that's your jam, that's your jam. But like, because I'm definitely not on some Dave and Dash up in here. Like, sometimes you just got to pay your damn bills and call it a day. You know what I mean? But like, that's not the entirety of who you are. But this mm. particular question sparked something in me mm -hmm. that was, if I'm not honestly answering that question, because I'm doing all of these other things at the time, you know, um, but it was like, why, why am I not doing that wholeheartedly? Why am I not moving in that, in that direction with a full heart? And, and that's sort of where I, um, where I decided to, to make that transition and make that move. Nice. So, definitely. Um, as far as the low times, though, the times when, you know, um, you wasn't sure about the future. Sure. Um, how'd you go about dealing with that? How'd you go about navigating those mm -hmm. times? Um, I have a really strong family network. And, Beautiful. Um, my mom and dad are literally rocks. and um, Amazing. And, and not to say that they aren't, like, there, there wasn't the times where they were like, look, I'm gonna need you, you know, like you're always crazy until you're doing it right, mm -hmm. right? So like that first year was like wicked. I, 2013 was the worst year in the world to me. I think a lot of people felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. I yeah, and yeah. I remember, you know, just December 31st, 11:59 p.m. I was like, "Give me the fuck about this year." <laughs> I was like, ready. "I'm done with 2013." I feel you. <laughs> um, but I, I say all that to say, like. 
in those low times, you have to sort of remember what you're, what you're there for and why you want to do this. Like having family is important because you have to have, you have to have somebody, you have to have a support system. Um, there's sort of two sides of it. It's like you have to have the support system where you can just like lose your shit with, like mm-hmm. cry, yell, scream, do whatever it is that you need okay. to do mm-hmm. so that it's like, I just need to get this energy out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and their role in that is to sort of like hear you and to remind you of your own song, remind you of who you are, remind you of why you're there again, um, and and help to build you up because you you remember that like, and typically this happens like you know when it's like after nine p.m. you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. or the first of the month when you're like shit where's this rent coming from, <laughs> but like, but those people are there to sort of sort of play both roles like devil's advocate and. The lift you up and, and you, you right. have to always find the folks that are going to help lift you up but also find the folks that are also on the same boat as you in terms of like being an entrepreneur like mm-hmm. this shit is hard i don't know who lied to you it's difficult. you know like and it, and i it people glamorize it people oh people glamorize the shit out of being an entrepreneur and mm-hmm. really the the gist of it is is like it's only glamorous when you win yeah you know like when you are consistently winning right, right, right. and i think that um you know, if it wasn't for my curiosity and looking deeper into myself, my curiosity into how I manage my emotions and, and whether that's meditation or just figuring out what triggers me, um, I would be in a much different position because everything would affect me, you know? And then there's some things where it's just like, that doesn't affect me anymore, you know? Um, but I really give a lot of um, props to my my parents who have who have spoke words to me that were um, empowering or even just saying, look, I know that you are not where you think you want to be. Mm. And that's okay. You know, and not a and they never said come home. That's not their that that I don't even think I mean, that they would come out of there. Yeah, they don't even I don't even think that's something that they, would they know who did ever it. say. <laughs> yeah. I but what they have said is is, you know, um, you know, I got you, you know, whatever form that comes in, that's emotional support, that's every support, you mm-hmm. know, and, and when I was doing this early, it was financial support. Mm-hmm. It was, I got you. And it was because I was able to show them and they were able to see that like I had a plan and that there was talent and there was things that I was doing that, um, could manifest itself and, and had been manifesting itself, mm-hmm. um, which is really, really important. Um, I want, I'm trying to remember something that like my dad said recently too. Oh, like failure. Like I think the way that entrepreneurs think of failure has to shift as well. Like, especially when you're sort of doing it in the, in the beginning, it's, it's really what it doesn't, when it doesn't work out to what you wow. think it was supposed to be, it, that doesn't mean failure. That just means a different version, like point one point a, one point b, like one point c. You know, my um, Marcus, the guy I was talking about before. He, I asked him because this question was asked to me. What my biggest um, thing I need, I, the thing I needed to work on um, was, and I was like, I don't know. You know, when you that's like an interview question. And he was like, I don't know. I'm gonna say something random. But I was like, you know, that's actually a really decent question. I'm gonna ask somebody that has known my work history and. I asked Marcus and he said, you know, you could do a better job of learning how to mold wet clay. Hmm. I was like, what? And he said, you know, you have this, you have this idea of what you want to see. Like, but if it doesn't come in that package, you find it difficult to, to navigate. He's like, so you need to learn how to mold wet clay because 
that's going to be, you know, to me, that's the difference between failure and success. It's like, okay, that's not exactly what I thought it was going to be, but mm. I, I can work with this. Absolutely. Like that, you know, that sort of perspective mm-hmm. on it. So mm-hmm. that's something that comes in various forms, like whether it's people that you work with and have to navigate around, whether it's the actual project itself, whether it's the client itself, whether it's your talent, whether it's the money, like you have to learn how to mold white clay, mm-hmm. you know, um, which I think is just, that was just a very, very valuable lesson for me and, and to be illuminated to that through a mentor. Absolutely. You said molding wet clay mm-hmm. and um, I want to transition into molding minds. So yeah. you had an opportunity to uh, become a joint professor at NYU mm-hmm. at the illustrious Clive David uh, School of Recording Music. Um, how has teaching been as an experience for you as you know, matriculating through your own personal experiences, being a student, becoming a teacher. Like for you, how is that how has it enhanced your experience as a yeah. professional? I wanted to do it because I felt like I had some really great teachers when I was at Columbia and it was a similar program. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like there was just sort of unwritten laws that came along with the music business that you unless you had a sort of experience the way I had it, you would sort of go along being like well, I did everything right and I followed the path and I'm still not where I wanted to be. You know, like there's not a, that doesn't exist. You know, doing it right doesn't exist. So um, for me, I, I went over there because I wanted to have my shot at, at connecting with young people. Um, I have hired people that I that were my students um, for various projects before that mm. I think are fabulous. I feel like I got a great talent pipeline for that. Um, nice. I also, it's, it's been so good. And then um, also like the things that they're excited about, the things that they're, ta- that they're talented about, like it's just, it's bananas. Like, mm. I'm like, y'all so smart. Like, it's just, they're so, <laughs> they're so talented. And um, even just seeing them, uh, you know, progress and, you know, I, I get seniors. So I, um, you know, I'm not teaching this semester, but like I get seniors. So I'm able to see sort of like what they've done over their college career and then like what my role was to do is to help them sort of uh, express that through you know strong presentation so like there was one student that um who I ended up hiring for something uh last year but I remembered being like I remember I told Steve I was like yo she's a young uh her name's Lauren Schwartz, who's like an amazing executive at NBC right now. But like, I was like, we used to work together at Translation. I was like, Steve, you have to see this girl. She's dope. Like, mm. I think she's going to be the next whatever, whatever. You know, and, you know, to be able to like feel that and know like, oh, I know who she needs to like work with. Or I, I, I know who, you know, like, I think th- my students probably should have took advantage of me more than they did. But like, or do. But um, for me, it was more of like, how can I give a leg up? Like, how can I, like, put these students in a position where they're mentally sort of prepared? Because, um, you know, you walk in your freshman year with, like, green eyes and you're just super green and, mm-hmm. you know, life has to do something to you. And then, like... Academic probation. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, sounds like a personal problem. You already know. <laughs> but um, life has to do something to you. And then, and then you know, you someone can see you, you know, and, and see what you're you're really capable of and give you an opportunity to um, explore that outside of the, the academic, the, the scholar profession, you know. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's what that did for me. It allowed me to, like, 
work with students, um, see what their projects were, see what they're interested in, see what their how they're thinking, and then uh, also be able to connect them with different people that could hopefully expand where where they think that they're going, mm. or give them even another idea. Like you're always, we're always so limited in, until you're sort of out in the world, and so. You know, someone be like, oh, I don't know, I like design, but I sort of like music, and I sort of like events and stuff. It's like, why don't you just like be an experiential marketing and be the design person? Like, there are just like things that you don't know exist until you're out in the world and you kind of have to do them. Mm -hmm. There's so many people that have like fallen into certain pockets of of a career mm -hmm. um, because it because it exists in the world, but they don't know. Like, I don't know, maybe you should work with Intel and work on their project with vice or maybe you should work on you know these big experiential events in fashion or maybe there's some new shit that you can create on your own and and have it blow up you know with the right partners and such you know mm -hmm. like things like that but it, it it's been it's been cool short story it's yeah, been cool <laughs> and um she knows now she knows now it is that. my favorite thing in the world i, I had tell to that's your baby i, could I had to take a, a a little bit of the backseat um just because the past few months have been pretty demanding on me i've been mm -hmm. traveling a lot um okay passport mommy. yeah yeah <laughs> global tiff um like and uh but she knows now is the platform that um i started to connect um and produce really confident messages of, uh, or messages of confidence and connect them with millennials. So like one of the things, the reason why I started this was because um, I felt like there was so much in the media, um, especially at the time where there was so, so much negative messaging. And, and I think what our generation and what women uh, need in general are, you know, consistent messages of confident, confidence affirmation. And I think mm -hmm. that's something that, um, what she knows now does from a social perspective and from an event production perspective is bring together whether it's in a panel format or just stories or what have you. It's all about making sure that we are producing confidence affirming content. Period. Nice. You know. So if you're like, oh, I don't feel good today. I don't know. Something's wrong. I don't know. You know. Mm -hmm. You go to she knows now on Instagram or go to the website and you can hear um, stories from amazing women, whether it's Bose, uh, Bozmo St. John, or um, oh, nice. Maxine or whoever, you know, like just there's so many great women on that platform that are wow. that have um, some really cool stories and are able to say what they know for sure. And it's something that's uh, I think we always need more of. What do you like most? Do you like creating the experiences? Do you like creating platforms, um, developing communities, connecting brands, engagement? Social I like, I like, what, what's your element? I like I like seeing people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I like being able to look at a scenario or and be like, oh, you know what? I know what that needs. I love connecting. I love connecting. I love connecting ideas, intention, motivation, people. Um, I love seeing things manifest. Um, mm. And, you know, there are things that come along with that, which is, you know, contracts and cash, you know, but like at the end of it, it's like, I just love seeing ideas come to life. Period. Gotcha. Mm, That's what I love to do. I feel you. I wanted yeah. to, I was going to like stay away from this question because it's a oh, cheesy question, but at the same time, I have to ask it. So, your experience as a person of color, um, a woman, CEO, how do you handle the, the, the meandering? Like, certainly the, the landscape is changing now mm -hmm. and there are more 
um, there's more sensitivity and more, um, or, or pardon me, a, a beginning of an understanding that, you know, there are different um, nuance to everybody's role or what have you. How do you, how are you now navigating this cultural space with all of these new revelations, with all of this um, um, uh, renaissance of, you know, um, women of color um, oh, exploding. like black girl magic? Are yeah, you saying black, how to, how bad, am I navigating black, black girl magic? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But how are, how are you, I mean, because this is something mm -hmm. you're walking into boardrooms with. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously, you know, the boardrooms, they're not as reflective as we'd like them to be. Mm -hmm. So we're, how are you navigating now? What, what are some things that you're mm -hmm. keeping in your, or thoughts that you're keeping in your back pocket to, you know, um, to, to bolster mm -hmm. your, your, your confidence in these rooms? Um, I think that... It, no matter what, you, you go into these rooms with who, who you know yourself to be. And, you know, if I'm wearing this or that or if, I mean... Like, is all that premeditated? Like, do you sit down and think about, I like, mean, all right, this really... is what I'm going to wear? Like, as, as when I was in sales, like, yeah. you know, I'm thinking, all right, power red tie, I'm wearing this because I'm closing today. Yeah. I'm putting a contract in front of yeah. you and signing it. Totally, totally. And right. I think that part of this is, like... It's a little bit of it's a little bit of both. I mean, like not every meeting I go to is like it's a power day, but like <laughs> sometimes it's just a motherfucking day, you know. Yeah. But I will I will say like, you know, I tend I like to walk out the door feeling confident because I feel like I look confident or feeling like whatever the case is. It's it sort of starts with my spirit and like that's the beauty of black girl magic. It doesn't necessarily just manifest in your hair and your makeup and your whatever. It's just like who you sort of bring to the table every single time. And, mm. you know, and you have your, your great days and you have your whatever days. Um, I think for me, one of the things that I don't, I, I don't think I ever did was, um, I never was like, Showing up, being like, "Guess what? I'm unapologetically black today." <laughs> like, I like, and I, the circles that I found myself in, they would just be like, "Okay, girl, what sit down." You right? Like, <laughs> if you just don't sit down and take these notes, but like, get to work, you right? know. Yeah. I mean, but there are times where I, you know, I, I, I haven't been the most um, comfortable, but I also, you know, I come from a culture I like sort of read read the room like I'm not the most I don't have the most bravado I don't feel like I need to have the most bravado mm -hmm. um you know I'm always somebody that like says my piece if I feel like I need to say my piece I don't I don't necessarily feel like you know the the mind tricks that exist with you know the 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 ways you navigate a boardroom you know like always say something so that somebody hears you talk like or um you know, don't don't be the only one that's, if you're the only woman in the room, you make sure you say something so people know you're there. Like, take up space. Like, you know, all the, all of these things. Like, so f to answer your question, like, I know I take up space. Mm. I know my, my energy outside of being black. Like, I just, I know my energy takes up space. I know when I can suck the energy out of a space. And I know that because I've done that before, and it sucks sometimes. And I don't like how it makes me feel. Mm. And... And I'm very conscious of how I, how my energy is when I'm in the room. And I typically always, most always have amazing, great, fun, energetic energy because I like, because I'm Southern, I like the room to feel comfortable. I like, mm. I don't like being in rooms where people, uh, there's tension or there's like uncomfortability because you know, I'm damn near an empath. So I feel that and I hate that. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, y'all want like, 
I grew up in a, in a house where we would be in the car, we took a lot of road trips, and if somebody pissed you off, or in particular if it was my father that pissed you off, oh, you know, usually you better fix your face before we get in this car. Man, like, it's like, listen. you know, like, <laughs> one of those things where, like, I'm trying to fix my face, but I can't. You know, like, there were just, and we moved around a lot growing up, and there was just four of us, so, like, there really wasn't time to be all in your feelings. Like, mm. and so that meant you had to address it and move on. Like, in corporate America in general, especially with other types, like the passive aggressiveness is like, it's not something I'm used to at all. Right, so the navigation of that, I'm like, so you like this person or not, or you can work with them or not. Or like, uh -huh. I don't really, I'm just Switzerland in this piece. Cause I don't have time for it. Like, I just, I don't have time to be in anybody's nonsense. I just want to do the work and have a great time doing it and connect with people. Um, like really connect with people. And I think that um, the navigation of that is, you know, is okay for me. I don't have a problem with it, but there are certain things that like, I think black women tend to do um, and I try not to fall into, you know, which is, you know, not knowing your energy levels and being, it's not that you're too aggressive. It's more like whatever it is, you maybe on your Amanda Seals too passionate and mm. people don't know how to, deal with that you know mm -hmm. they don't know how to digest that or being like the a mammy figure you know like oh honey child you know oh, nah, nah, nah. you know or like you know oh you don't feel good today you know just like put your head on my bosom or whatever you know just like that kind of like thing because everybody wants to feel nurtured or needed and black women are good for nurturing like just being able to navigate like probably who like who you are even outside of the office mm -hmm to the people that you love, navigating that inside of the office and understanding like the personalities and the effects of like the the intangibles that you bring there, right? So like you can get your job done and be efficient, but nobody wants you, but nobody likes to be around the person that gets their job done, is efficient, but is a dick, you know, or is an asshole or is a bitch That's or too fun. aggressive or short on email or mm -hmm. whatever. Like, oh, how you doing with this motherfucker? Mm -hmm. like, Nobody wants to deal with that person, yeah, right. you know? So, like, how do you find... And this, that's not just a woman of color. That's just, like, work. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, like, how can you do your job, be cool, and not take anything personally? Like, that's the gig. And I don't think that you can do that without going through some life and going through some personal, internal, like, who am I? You know, so... Mm. Long story short, you answered that question with trying to figure out who the hell you are before you really get into it. And, you know, you won't be able to do that when you're 21 and out the gate. You know, you're going to make the mistakes and, you know, I'm even at my even at the job I have right now, like I'm helping these young people, you know, understand why they made those mistakes. It's like, mm. yo, I've been there. I did that. Yeah. Like you ain't special. Yeah. So don't feel bad. Get over it. You know, don't let this linger. Mm. Don't let get it out your spirit. Let it go. There's nothing you can do. Move on. Keep it, you keep it pushing, you know, and 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 the kids are all right. Everybody will be okay, you know. If you don't, you've I've made I've made six figure mistakes before, and and with with Ooh. moguls. So you I, <laughs> you know, you live, you good, <laughs> you could be <laughs> like so chill out, you know. And and I think that's the that's the thing too, like really. My thing is like if I made the mistake and I can see it now I'm better at now I'm better at spotting who I was in other people, mm. and I'm like wait, wait let me 
let me just tell you something real quick. And it's not like a, let me tell you about yourself. It's more of like, all I know is mm -hmm. I did I did this before. I've been on that road before. I've seen it a thousand times. This is what I learned. Mm -hmm. If you can learn that faster than I did, you're in great shape. Wow. You know, like that's all you can, that's all you can say to people. Cut, you know the, what I'm um, cut the time in half for them. Yeah, She's cut the time in half. I have an um, a intern, a little bro, Terrence from Jersey. Big up. He comes out here, he works with us, and I'm like, yo, you got a direct connection to this life, the culture, to what we're doing, this experiential stuff, and it feels good to cut his time in half. You know what I mean? You know? To have a, a Tiffany or to have a Trav or a Franz, it feels good. Um, how we conclude all our, all our podcasts, mm -hmm. yes. um, all our esteemed guests, uh, there's one very question, is um, what drives you? What, um, what, wake, what makes you wake up in the morning and keep going, keep um, you know, facing your challenges head on, keep um, chasing your goals, your dreams, and just you know, materialize well actualize, you know, um, the vision you have for yourself? Um, the, the idea that I put in my head a long time ago, which is about, um, I told you I love ideas coming to life, and there's an idea of my life that I've had a long time ago, and I've been seeing it come to fruition, and um, what makes me get up in the morning is just the fact that that is still, uh, that's still happening, and it's happening every day, and being grateful for that. Mm -hmm. You know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, thank you, God, another day. Blessings. You know, mm -hmm. seriously. Like, thank you. Like, thank you for my life. Thank you for my mind. Like, thank you for, mm. like, putting breath in my lungs. Like, thank you for just, like, the peace that I feel in my spirit. Because there are a lot of people that are going through some major, 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 major shit. <sighs> That's a fact. You know? <laughs> right? Major shit. And not even from, like, not even just, like, what's That's going on, like, homelessness and, and, and the sort of security that they're, that that's being threatened. But like, there's some people that wake up in the morning and they like hate themselves. Mm. That's, that's scary, it is. you know? So being able to be in a position where you have your wits about you and you have an opportunity to, to create and to create um, not only just things, um, but also life and to manifest that and to influence that um there's not a goddamn thing to be complain about like at all i don't care if the landlord didn't fix my lock or whatever like <laughs> i'm gonna figure it fix out that goddamn lock. it's coming out the rent but yeah that's that's what it is indeed bless up um, um, man, where time. can we find you on the social? Tiffany underscore Harden on both Twitter and on Instagram. Um, pro tip, just do it on Instagram. I haven't been tweeting a lot lately. Yeah. <laughs> and also go to shenosnow.com, engage there. Mm -hmm. um, Gildcreativegroup.com, G-I-L-D creativegroup.com. Um, I'm not managing a lot of talent these days, but uh, I don't have the time, but there's somebody very special that I'm managing. Uh, her name is Lauren Ash and Black Girl in Ohm, where I manage partnerships and biz dev. So nice. if you are interested in women of color um, in healthy communities, that is what I'm up to right now. So um, get at me. There you go. Yeah. Tiffany the Great, uh, we appreciate you. Thank for you. All I appreciate this. I need yeah. this hat you got. Stay oh, driven. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We're going to get you situated in, in, a, in like two seconds. Exactly. <laughs> 
tonight. Y'all work fast. <laughs> yes, <sir. Word. laughs> like we always say it this time. Stay driven, y'all. Stay driven.